Okay, okay, we're going to get to the podcast in just one minute. But imagine I gave you the opportunity to invest in Microsoft, in Apple, in Tesla at its infancy. And now you made all this profit and it would be unbelievable. You'd be so thankful and so grateful. I believe that that day is today for Torch. Because for the next 36 hours, every donation you contribute at givetorch.net is doubled by our generous matchers, and you can come in at the ground floor. Yes, last year, over 1 million people enjoyed our podcasts. You as well, I hope. And I believe we can get to 10 million this year, but we need your help. It's only one day a year that we ask. We need your contribution. We need your partnership. We love your partnership and your friendship. Please contribute at givetorch.net, givetorch.net. Every dollar is matched. I apologize for taking your time. Thank you so much in advance for your support. Enjoy this episode. Okay. Welcome back, everybody, to the Talmud Lunch and Learn. Thank you, Ed, for the delicious food. We're deeply grateful. Thank you. Hopefully, the big clients for the pizza are going to be here. Um, okay. The Gemara now returns to the topic of honoring the Shabbos. We discussed for many, many weeks, we discussed the importance of honoring the Shabbos and the different rewards that many of the stage, sages merited because of their honor for Shabbos. Rabbi Hanina, Rabbi Hanina, Mi'atef Afnio de Mali Rabbi Hanina would wrap himself in finery and stand towards evening on Friday. We spoke several different stories of sages like my wife's great grandfather, Rabbi Yemen Wilhelm, there's a we have a magnet on our fridge, a quote from him, a picture of him and a quote which says, "You wait for Shabbos, don't let Shabbos wait for you." And he was known on Friday afternoon, early Friday afternoon, he would be dressed already in his Shabbos clothes and he'd be sitting on his front porch waiting for Shabbos, waiting for Shabbos. You know, we just had the. Uh, month-long funeral of the queen, right? About a month and and at least. And she, um, you know, people were waiting for days and days and days just to get a chance to see the procession of the funeral. And imagine if the queen was alive, how many days and weeks people would wait, you know, in reserve spots and camp out on the streets outside Buckingham Palace so that they can get a glimpse to see the queen. Unbelievable. Shabbos queen is our queen. Should we come rushing last minute or should we come prepared, waiting, camping out, preparing, and not only preparing ourselves physically, preparing ourselves emotionally, preparing our food, getting everything ready so that we can hopefully merit to greet our queen properly. That's the goal. That's the objective. So he would go out in his finery and he would stand towards evening on Friday. It's Rabbi Hanina. Omar, and he would say, come, let us go out and greet the Shabbos queen. Rabbi Yanai Levish Manyo Mali Shabbos Omar Rabbi Yanai was a different great sage who would put on his Shabbos clothes on Friday and say, Boi chala, boi chala. Come, O bride, come, O bride. 
the Gemara tells of the special foods prepared by one Amora for Shabbos. One of the great Amoraim, one of the great later Talmudic sages, would prepare food. Rabba Bar Huna Iklo Lebei Rabba Bar Rav Nachman. Rabba Bar Huna visited the home of Rabba Bar Rav Nachman. Krivu Lei Tlas Save they brought before him three sa'ah of oiled wafers. And these are the breads, types of breads that they had. They were crispy breads with oils. It was a really special delicacy. Amar aluhu mi yaditun dasinu. Did you know that we were coming? Did you prepared this fine, really fine delicacy? Did you even know that we were coming? He said to them, are you more important to us than it, the Shabbos queen? You think we prepared it for you. No, we didn't prepare it for you. We prepared it for Shabbos. It's a special treat for Shabbos. The loaves were prepared in honor of Shabbos, and you just happened to arrive to join us on that day. The delicacy of Shabbos. The Gemara recounts how various sages used to honor the Shabbos, with the preparation for it. Rabbi Abba Zvan Betlesar Istire Pshite Bisro Mitlesar Tabochi. Rabbi Abba would buy meat from 13 different butchers for 13 common astiros, which was a, 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 a currency. Umashlim Luhu Atsinura Didosha and deliver it to the pivot of the, his door to his kitchen staff. He'd bring it to his kitchen staff. And he would say to them, when you prepare this meat, be energetic, be excited, hurry. Don't, don't just prepare it. Oh, whatever. It's another piece. Be excited. This is for Shabbos. And he would cook this meat. He would tell them, cook it because more is coming. More meat is coming. Rabavo had a custom, Rabavo have a Yosif Atachtoko Deshino Umoshif Nura Rab Abahu would sit on a stool of ivory and fan the fire. He used to cook for Shabbos, he used to prepare the food for Shabbos. So one of the things he would do is he would actually fan the flames so that you wonder these were like the sages of the generation, the leaders, the greatest scholars. Why in the world would they be doing this themselves? They certainly had servants. They had helpers. Why do they need someone to do this for them? Why, why do they need to do it for themselves? Why can't they have someone do it for them? You know why? Because Shabbos is so special. I want to do it myself. I've mentioned to you my grandfather of blessed memory. He would prepare the Shabbos candles. In fact, the halacha tells us, we'll see, this is a review, we learned this before, uh, all of this, this, these pieces of Talmud. He would, it says that the husband should prepare the Shabbos candles for his wife. And not only, not only that, I do, and, and not only that is you should also light the candle and then put it out so that it's easier for your, for the wife to light. So it's, 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 you're preparing, not only, not only preparing the candle, 
not only not only preparing the candle, but you're also getting it really ready so it's easy to light. They're also easy to. My grandfather would prepare the Shabbos table, and if if us, the grandchildren, were there, or if any guests were there, he would, um, you know, have to make the extension for the table, and he wouldn't let us help him. I mean, he was in his 80s, late 80s, early 90s, and it was difficult for him. He wouldn't let us help him because this was his mitzvah. This was his preparation for Shabbos. And it's very special. That's the way it should be. It should be so that someone has their, their jobs that they do. I have mentioned again previously that I myself... Um, I'm not such a busy, I'm not such a righteous, holy guy. But one of my jobs is I set all the lights for Shabbos. All of the scheduling of the, of the lights, what lights go on, what lights go off, or, you know, because today everything's with smart homes. You have things that you control with your phone. All of that is scheduled before Shabbos. It gets a little bit challenging with Yom Tif because Yom Tif now is going to be Sunday night. Monday, Tuesday night, Monday night and Tuesday. So that's going to be, so you have to change the schedules for that. Uh, also, we are going to be in our sukkah this coming week. So it's going to be another change to that schedule. These are all part of the great gifts of Shabbos. So Rav Anon, he had a custom. Rav Anon Levish Gunda, he would wear a black smock on Fridays to demonstrate that was not that Friday was not a day of keeping clean and neat, but rather a day of cooking and preparing for Shabbos, which often causes one to get pretty dirty. Right? He would wear like a special smock. The Tana Debe Rabbi Shmuel for a Brisa taught in the Academy of Rabbi Shmuel, Bigodim Shebishel Behen Rabbi, the garments with which one was dressed when he cooked a food, or cooked a, a food for his master, al yimzog bohen kos He should not also wear that same clothes when he pours him a glass of wine. Why? It's not refined. It's all dirty. You don't come and pour a glass of wine when you're all dirty. You can see that also the waiters who come around in a restaurant, if you go to Casa, Bar and Grill, you go to Genesis, you go and they're pouring you a glass of wine, they're not going to be you know, in their dirty clothes coming out of the kitchen. They're actually going to be in clean clothes and pour you that wine. Where do we get that from? From the Gemara. The Gemara teaches that to us. The Gemara lists the Shabbos preparations for several other Amoraim. Rav Safra, Machrich Reishe. He would singe the head of the animal, preparing it for, right? He would, he would burn off all the hears so that you can now cook it. Right, that was part of the process. Rabba Malach Shibuta, Rabba would salt the Shibuta fish for the Shabbos meal. Ravhuna Madlik Sharga, Ravhuna would uh, prepare the lights in the home and the candles. Ravpapa Gdil Ptilta, Ravpapa would twine the wicks for the lamps because they used to use uh, these uh, wicks, long wicks, because they didn't have electricity like we have today. Right, so they would have. Actually, I remember now when I was when I moved to Israel when I was 15 years old. Um, there was a big controversy 
of using the electric grid in Israel on Shabbos because it's operated by Jews. Now, over here, it's not operated by Jews. It's operated by non-Jews. It's not a problem. You can use the electric grid here on Shabbos. Again, everything has to be pre-assigned before Shabbos. You can't manipulate the lights on Shabbos, not on, not off. But the electric grid is not run by Jews. It's run by non-Jews. So it's not a problem. But in Israel, when it's all operated by Jews, it's problematic because someone could be manipulating that on Shabbos and you're benefiting from it. You can't benefit if a Jew desecrates the Shabbos. You can't benefit from it. So there are many people who do not use electricity on Shabbos, anything. So what do they do? So you have something in Israel, you have these generators which supply enough electricity for the neighborhood and every neighborhood has their own generator that um, that takes you off the grid for the 25 hours of Shabbos. And there's a certain time, it's a certain time before Shabbos that your electricity will turn off for a second and back on and that's when they get converted from the electric company to the off-the-grid generator. But many people didn't want to use that either. My uncle was one of them. Right? Interesting character. And you'd come to his house and he had this lamp that was like kerosene it smelled awful and it was he would use that for shabbos and he had exactly enough uh fluid in there to burn for the night as long as the meal was going on and as soon as the meal ended and the light was out it was pitch black in that house I mean, it was pitch black, right? Today, they, they, they modified all the systems, uh, the, you know, the, 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 um, these generators. So it's, it's easier for people to access them and it's easier for people to get, get, um, use from it. But, um, okay. So what happens? So he would prepare the twine that would go into those, into those, uh, um, into those, uh, receptacles, the bowls that the that the light would come out of. Rav Chizda parim silka. Rav Chizda would mince the beets. Rab of Rav Yosi mitzalchi tzive. Rab and Rav Yosef would split the wood for the fireplace. Again, you can't add wood on Shabbos, but you can cut the wood before Shabbos, put it in before Shabbos. We actually, one of the things that my, one of the most beloved things that my children love in the winter is when we have the fireplace on on Friday night. So what do we do? Right before I leave to shul on Friday night, right before Shabbos, we light the 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 wood and it gets to its full strength about a half hour in, 20 minutes in. And by the time I get home from shul, it is a perfect, beautiful flame. It is really incredible. And... Throughout the Shabbos meal, you have the beautiful fireplace, but you can't touch it. You can't, you can't move any, you can't adjust it. You can't make any, you can't touch it on Shabbos. And it's very important for a person to uh, be careful. One of the reasons, um, there are many prohibitions with different types of cooking on Shabbos or manipulating or touching the uh, many different pots or pans is because we're afraid that you're going to adjust the temperature. Just like we're afraid you're going to touch the wood in the fireplace. Mm-hmm. It used to be that you didn't have warm homes. You didn't have heating and an AC. Today, almost every single home has one. 
at least in, in, in an advanced country like the United States. But in a third world country where they don't have that, this was the heat. So now you're getting all your heat. You're all camped out next to the fireplace and you want to just move it so that it can, you know, heat it up a little bit. You can't do that on Shabbos. Shabbos, you cannot manipulate because you're going to get it to burn more. You're going to get it to burn better. You can't do that on Shabbos. So one has to be very, very cautious about that. Uh, in fact, uh, there's something called a hot plate. Now, there's today we have electric hot plates. But when I was a child, uh, they didn't have those electric hot plates. So what they did was is you had the gas burner and you had a metal sheet that went on that and that served as the hot plate. Right, so you put this metal sheet on it, on top of the the gas flame, and now I always remembered that been, at the end of that 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 uh, that metal sheet, it curved down to cover the knobs, and the reason it did that is so you shouldn't adjust the knobs on Shabbos. Right? You didn't have just a, a metal sheet, but actually it curled down uh, b- beneath the level of the knobs, so that you don't. By mistake, manipulate it. Because it, it, it can happen sometimes just naturally. Like, you know, you don't realize you're like, oh, let me make it a little bit, a little bit, you know, higher, high, raise the flame or, or a little bit lower. You can have your, your food on there for Shabbos day and you want to make sure it doesn't get burnt. Well, that could be problematic. That's why you cover it, uh, you cover the knobs to ensure that you don't by mistake manipulate it. Okay. Rabbi Nachman Bar Yitzchak's practice, what was his practice? Rabbi Nachman Bar Yitzchak, Mechatef Ha'ayel, Mechatef Nafik. He would lift up bundles of Shabbos goods and bring them in and lift up bundles and take them out. He would carry bundles of supplies in and out of the house to ready things for Shabbos. So he'd go shopping. He'd bring the, he'd bring the groceries in. He would take the garbage out. He would, in fact, the Gemara, I don't know if we have the Gemara here, but it says that one of the Tanaic sages would go around his house with a broom and he would clear out all the spider webs from all the corners. Every Shabbos. Again, unbelievable, impeccable. If you want to know when like we have uh, spring cleaning, when is spring cleaning usually? In spring, right? It's Pesach time. That's where it comes from. It comes from Pesach. People would clean their house for Pesach and they're their Gentile neighbors would say, what are you doing? You're cleaning every corner of your house. He says, what do you mean I'm the one I'm doing? Uh, Pesach cleaning? Uh, that, that doesn't sound right. Spring cleaning. That's what it is. And that became the whole spring cleaning, uh, uh, you know, fashion, uh, cleaning our homes on, uh, in, in the spring. But the, we have this every Shabbos. We have cleaning our homes, cleaning every bedroom. My children, uh, before Shabbos, one of the things they, after they're dressed, after they do their Shabbos jobs, after they clean their room, after everything is ready, they want to watch a video, they want to get, you know, for Shabbos, they want to, they want to enjoy some uh, entertainment or something, after all your jobs are done. After all your jobs are done, you're all ready for Shabbos, then you can do it. The house is spotless clean, the floors are all done, right? counters are all clean, everything is ready. Now we're time, time to just enjoy. Shabbos is not a time for doing. Shabbos is a time, time for connecting. We don't want to be busy on Shabbos doing. Just enjoy. Now just connect with Hashem without any interruptions, without anything. You don't have to worry about any dish. You don't have to worry about any, um, any cooking, any cleaning. 
Now is just the time to enjoy. That's the objective of Shabbos. Omar, he said, Ilu mikalin li rabbi ami v'rabbi asi milo mechatifno kamayhu. If Rab Ami and Rab Asi were to visit me, would I not lift up bundles and carry them in and out in front of them? I should do no less for the Shabbos. Meaning, if I would do it for one of the great sages, of course I would do it for Shabbos. It means anything that you're willing to do for another human being, definitely do it for Shabbos. You have special guests coming. Ooh, I got to put out my china. I guess I have to write. Well, well, why don't we do that for Shabbos? Should be on our finest uh, dishes, our finest, uh, silverware. Another version of the story, the Ika de Amri, and those who, that would say the story as follows, or of Ami, or of Asi, Mechatve, Ve'ail, Mechatve, Ve'nafki, or of Ami and of Asi would lift up bundles of Shabbos goods and bring them in and, and lift up bundles and take them out. Amri, they said, Ilu iklolon Reb Yochanan milo chatvino kamei. If Reb Yochanan were visiting us, would we not lift up bundles and carry them in and out in front of him? Of course we would. Therefore, we would do it for Shabbos as well. Okay, the Gemara tells a story of the great reward. This we, we learned last week. I just want to repeat it because since learning it last week, I repeated it so many times. The story, and it's a story that we all grew up with learning or reading in one of those children's books. But Yosef Mokir Shabe. Yosef was a man who honored Shabbos so much. Havi hahu nochi bishabavuta. There was a person, um, a Gentile in the neighborhood of, of Yosef who honored the Shabbos. Who was very, very wealthy. Amri Lei Kaldoi, the astrologers told him, Kule Nichse Yosef Morke Shabi Ochil Lehu. All of your possessions, Yosef Moker Shabbos, the one who honors Shabbos, Yosef will consume all of your possessions. Meaning they will all eventually end up by him. He was very afraid this Gentile neighbor, the wealthy neighbor, was really concerned. I don't want Yosef getting all my possessions. He got rid of his house. He got rid of his his uh, horse and buggy. He got rid of all of his possessions and transferred everything into a ruby, into a a, a gem. Fearing their prediction and hoping to foil it, he went and sold all his possessions and bought with it with the proceeds, an extremely valuable gem. And he placed it in his hat. And when while he was passing the river crossing, he was on a bridge. And you know when there's a bridge, there's a cross current many times of wind. A gust of wind sent his hat flying and cast it into the water. Balyo Kavra, Kavyora, when a fish came and swallowed the pearl, Askuha, Aituha, Apanyo, Demali Shabso. Sometime later, fishermen hauled in the fish and brought it ashore late in the day on Friday, by which time everyone had already left the marketplace. Amroman Zvin Ki Hashto. They were disappointed. We got this fish, fresh fish. We have no one to sell it to. So they asked around, Amri Man Zvin Kihashta. Disappointed, they asked, 
Who will buy our fish now? It's so late. Go to Yosef Marcus Shabbos. Yosef, who always honors the Shabbos, he'll buy anything for Shabbos. Anything you bring to him for Shabbos, he'll buy it. They went, they brought it to him, and he bought it. When he cut it open, he found the expensive gem in it. And he then sold this, this gem for 13 addicts full of gold dinars. That's how valuable it was. A certain elderly man encountered him. He says, he who borrows for the sake of Shabbos, Shabbos repays him. In fact, the Gemara says, we learned this previously, that our sages tell us that a person can borrow against the Shabbos. Typically, you wouldn't borrow something if you can't pay it back. For Shabbos, you can. Why? Our sages tell us Shabbos itself is the guarantor. Shabbos. Levu alive ani poreya. You borrow, I pay back. Someone doesn't have food for Shabbos, you can borrow money. And who's going to pay it back? How am I going to pay it back? I don't, I don't have the money. Guess what? Shabbos guarantees it. It's a promise from the Almighty. The Gemara presents a related discussion about the mitzvos for which people are rewarded with wealth. Boy, minei rabbi, mi rabbi Yishmol, rabbi Yossi, rabbi inquired, of Rabbi Yishmol, the son of Rabbi Yossi, Ashirin Zochin, the rich, wealthy people in Eretz Yisrael, in the land of Israel, with what good deed did they merit their wealth? Amar lo bishvil sheme asrin, because they faithfully tithe. Those who faithfully tithe merit great wealth. Shinemar aser ta aser, because the verse says, tithe you shall tithe. The double use of the word tithe, why does it need to say tithe you shall tithe? It should say tithe. Tithe you shall tithe. What's, what's the, what's the duplicity? We know there's not an extra letter in the Torah. There's not an extra word in the Torah. There's not an extra verse in the Torah. Why does the Torah use a duplicitous language? As, aser, Bishvil shetit asher, tithe so that you can become wealthy. Shebechol bama hein zochin. Oh, sorry. Shebebavel bama hein zochin. Now the rabbis asked, okay, that's about the wealthy people in the land of Israel. What's about the the wealthy Jews in Babylonia? How did they get their wealth? He says, Amar lo bishvil shemechab dinas Torah, because they honored the Torah. And what's about the wealthy Jews in other lands? How did they merit their great wealth? Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yossi, said to him, because they honor the Shabbos, and because they honored the Shabbos, they merited great wealth. The more one honors the Shabbos, the more one honors the Torah and its learners, and the more one is careful to tithe, the more 
Hashem gives us. Interesting, I have a friend of mine who has two bank accounts. He has the family bank account and he has the God bank account. And whenever he gets, he earns money, immediately 10% goes into God's account. I love that idea, so I copied him. And I made God's account. And that way, that's my, it doesn't belong to me. I'm just the gatekeeper who decides where it goes. But it's not mine. And we have to remember that it's not ours and we should be, uh, be careful to not assume that it's in my bank account. It's mine. Um, the Amr Abchia Barab Abchia Barab said, Pam Achas Nis Arachti Eitzel Balabais Beludkia. I was once a guest at a certain home in Lutkia. Vehevil Lufan of Shulchan Shalzov Masui Shisha Osar Beniadam. They came to, they brought him food. They needed to, they brought a golden table. And it took 16 people to carry that table. It was so heavy. So heavy with gold. And there were 16 silver chains set in, in that table. And there were plates and cups and drinking ladles and bottles set on it. And on the table were all kinds of foods and all kinds of delicacies and spices. And when they set the table down in before him, they said the following verse from Psalms. To Hashem is the earth and its fullness. And when they removed the table, all 16 carriers of the table, they would say the verse from Psalms, as for the heavens, the heavens are Hashem's, but the earth has been given to mankind. My son, the, the, the guest, asked his host, he says, by what did you merit to have such incredible wealth? Amr lo katsav ha'yisi. He says, I was a butcher. Mikol behemo sha'yisi no'eh, sha'yisa no'eh, amarti zoti el And every pleasant animal, an animal is a nice cut. Ah, it was great meat. Ah, this is for Shabbos. He kept on putting it aside for Shabbos. Amarti lo I said to him, the guest said to his host, blessed are you that you merited to this incredible gift and blessed is Hashem that he rewarded you with such a gift. We see from this incident that the extraordinary wealth of a rich man outside of Israel came in the merit of honoring the Shabbos. So every person has their own uh, their own story. Another story about the special quality of the Shabbos foods. Amar lo kesel Rabbi Shua ben Chananya. Rabbi Shua ben Chananya said to the Caesar who came to visit him, Mipnei ma tafshil shal Shabbos recho nodef. He says to the Caesar, says to Rabbi Yochanan, to Rabbi Shua ben Chananya, ben Ch- he says, 
how come the food that I smell from Shabbos has such an incredible uh, aroma, such a penetrating aroma? Because we have a special spice that we put into our foods, and it's called Shabbos. We have a special spice. The spice is called Shabbos. He says, We throw this special ingredient into the food and it makes the aroma so penetrating. He says, Why don't you give us, the Caesar says, Why don't you give us some of that incredible ingredient? If you observe the Shabbos, the ingredient works. If you don't observe the Shabbos, the ingredient doesn't work. And my children, they always say the food from Shabbos, you can eat the same food on a Tuesday night. It doesn't have it. It doesn't have that same. The Shabbos has, it has a special something to it. That's what the Gemara says. Other forms of honoring Shabbos, Amrish, Amr, Lei, Reish, Kolusilar, Vamnuna, the Exilarch, Setra, Vamnuna, Maidichsev, Likdosh, Hashem, Chubad. What is the meaning of that which is written? If you proclaim the Shabbos a delight, the Holy One of Hashem honored, what does that mean? Amr, Lei, Ze, Yom, Hakipurim, She'ein, Bolo, Achila, Veloshtia. Rav Amnuna said, that this phrase refers to, Rabbi, to, to Yom Kippur, a day on which there is no eating or drinking, and thus it is impossible to honor that holy day with food and beverage. Amra Torah Kabdeyu Bichsus Nikia. Instead, the Torah says, How should you honor that day? You can't honor Yom Kippur with food. So where's the honor? You honor it with clean garments. We wear clean clothes. Many people we saw on Yom Kippur, people wear white clothes on Yom Kippur. The idea not only of being clean and special for for Yom Kippur, but also showing and resembling like the angels, clean of sin, clean of any error. Like a bride, the bride comes into her, to her chuppah, comes in clean, untainted. That's the idea. The verse just cited continues, V'chi badito. And you shall honor it, the Shabbos, by not engaging in your customary ways. This further injunction to honor the day is now expanded. Rav Omar Lahakdim. Rav says, what does it mean to honor the Shabbos? It means to bring Shabbos in early. Shmuel Omar Lahacher. Shmuel says to take out Shabbos late. We do both. We add a few minutes before Shabbos. We add a few minutes after Shabbos. That's why when we, if you look at the calendars, today, sunset is at 7 o'clock. So that's when Shabbos begins. But if you look at any of the calendars, it'll say candlelighting is at 642, which is 18 minutes earlier. We accept Shabbos in 18 minutes earlier than we have to. Why? Honor Shabbos. We extend it in the beginning. After Shabbos, Shabbos ends when there are three stars. You see three stars in the sky, you can say Havdalah, and you can turn on your phone and drive your car, you can do all the things. We wait a few minutes, even if it's one minute, even if it's 30 seconds. Many people wait 
72 minutes. That's their, great, go for it. Right? There are people who make Havdalah and they don't do any labor till Tuesday, right before Sunday set. Because Shabbos extends three days. It can extend it up to three days. The latest you can say Havdalah is Tuesday night. So you have Sunday, Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday night, Monday, Monday night, Tuesday. So you have to do before sunset on Tuesday. If you remember in our class that we have on Tuesday nights, after the class, what do I wish you? A good Shabbos. Why? Because that's already Wednesday. Wednesday already starts the next Shabbos. You already start the preparation. You can start preparing for Shabbos already on Wednesday. You can already greet people and wish them a good Shabbos starting from Wednesday. So I want to tell you something special about that same shul that you're talking about in Atanya. Thank you for sharing that story. So actually, it's a, a very prominent Hasidic dynasty, Kloisenburg, right? That's where they are in, in Atanya. I believe that's the name. And they were once, you know, they would have their tish, which is where the Rebbe would sit at the front of the table Friday night. And he would sing songs with his Hasidim. His Hasidim would go home after davening. They'd come back after they finished their meal with their family. And they would have now a meal with the Rebbe, right? The Rebbe would sit at the head of the table and they would sing songs and they'd dance and he would say uh, ideas of Torah and it would go on and on and on. So one time people started closing the windows. They started closing the windows. They're like, no, we don't want the noise to go out to the neighbors. So the Rebbe said, open the windows. He says, we want to shear the song. We don't want to keep the songs into ourselves. Let's shear it with the world. Don't, right, obviously not to wake up the neighbors, that's not the goal, but the idea was that it's invite people in, open your homes, don't keep it to yourself, feel a sense of responsibility to to shower out your uh, your wealth of Judaism, share it with the world. So we said clean garments, we said to make Shabbos earlier, take out Shabbos later. The Gemara now cites a relating ruling. The sons of Rav Papa Bar Abba said to Rav Papa, For people such as ourselves, for whom it is common to have meat and wine every day, what are we going to do to make Shabbos special? What are we going to change to make Shabbos special? They said to him, If you, your custom was, your custom was to have the meal early, make it later. And if your custom was to make your meal late, uh, then make it earlier. Change it around. The Gemara cites a story to demonstrate the importance of eating the Shabbos meal. Very important. I just, you know, we had a few, uh, Weeks ago, we had someone here from Satmar Bikacholim. He came here. Remember, he said he came with the with the bag around his neck and collecting charity for Bikacholim. What do they do? They provide in I think over thirty hospitals. They provide a room that's called a Chesed room, kindness room, and the hospitals give them a room or they rent a room, just a room, little small room, maybe eight foot by eight foot, and they outfit it. This organization outfits it with refrigerators, uh, toaster oven, you know, basics, and they have cabinets in there filled, stocked with pastries, with 
foods, the refrigerators or with drinks, you have water bottles, you have uh, vegetables, you have uh, full ready-made meals. You know, what's, what's what happens? You have someone who, for whatever reason, needed to be rushed to the hospital. Someone's having a baby or you know, hopefully it's only for babies, right? But God forbid someone's there for medical treatments or for whatever it is. And you're there with them to spend the holiday with them. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Right? You're not going to have, you're not going to have food. They're going to serve. They're going to bring food for the patient. Hopefully it's kosher. And most of the hospitals in New York City or around near in and around New York City, they know that they have a, a, a Jewish population that they have to serve. So they're, they're ready for it. But what do you do in a, right? What do you do for the visitor or the, my mother spent Rosh Hashanah on my father's bedside in the hospital. My father needed to go to the hospital the day before Rosh Hashanah, and he wasn't released before Rosh Hashanah. Uh, so my mother was there. I asked my mother, did you have food? She says, you have no idea how amazing the Jewish people are. She said, I was served three meals a day by people coming around. I said, and how did you hear the chauffeur? She says, there was a tzaddik who went room to room blowing the chauffeur for every single room of Jewish. This Rosh Hashanah, just a week ago. Unbelievable. That's the beauty of the Jewish people. So I, I, I follow them on their social media, and I saw before Rosh Hashanah, they had hundreds of volunteers stocking, because it's going to be two days. Usually they stock every morning. They come, they take out all the garbage, and they put restock it every, you know, every day. They came there with truckloads to every hospital stocking, double stocking it because it's a long yumtif. People are sitting all day and they should have extra food, hot food. It was unbelievable. This is the beauty of the Jewish people. Same, same concept because we have the same Torah which teaches us how to be loving and caring of our fellow Jew. That's what we need. Beautiful. So right here in this torch center, one one afternoon, I get the doorbell rings here. I open the door and it's UPS. So he brings in the box and I said to him, would you like something to drink? He's like, I'd love something to drink. It's a real hot summer day. So I said, okay, would you like some water? Would you like some soda? Would you like some coffee? He says, I would love a coffee, a hot coffee. He says, I didn't drink anything uh, in the morning. I would love a coffee. Okay. Comes inside. I make a coffee for him. Put him some milk. Do you want sugar? Do you want the whole thing? And he's standing right here. And he says to me, can you just tell me what's the magic of the Jewish people? He says, I've been delivering for the Meyerland neighborhood for the past decade. He says, this has been my route. He says, every single Jewish household invites me to drink something, to eat something. He says, when I go home before Xmas, I come home with more gifts than I deliver. He says, because my Jewish people that I deliver to every day buy me gifts, and I end up coming home, my wife gets like, she's all worried, like, where are you getting all these gifts from? He says, the Jewish community, there's no one like the Jewish Jewish community. And that's and that's what we need to be. We need to be an example for the nations, we need, we are the ambassadors. We have to understand that's our responsibility. And even more so, the nations of the world, I've shared this story in the past, I want to share it again. 
I had ones, I have this all the time when I, when I go to the supermarket, I have people stopping me and saying, you're Jewish. Oh, God bless the Jewish people. And they, you know, they'd see my yarmulke, my tzitzis. I once had, I was in Costco. A guy came over to me, says, Oh, Jewish. God bless you. We pray for you. We love the Jewish people. And he, he stops me and he says, is it okay for me to touch your tzitzit? Right? Which is my, my fringes, right? I said, go right ahead. I'm an exhibit in, in, in a museum, walking museum. So he, he says, and he's like, oh, he says, do you people understand that the nations of the world look at you to be an example? He says, you have to realize it's a big responsibility. And it, 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 it hit me suddenly. We are looked at by the nations of the world, and if we don't fulfill that responsibility properly, that's when we have anti-Semitism. You know who says that? The Torah says that. The Torah literally says that, that Hashem will use the nations of the world to slap us upside our head when we stray from our path. When we don't fulfill our responsibilities, when we don't fulfill our duties the way God wants us to, he sends the nations to punish us. And we're like, oh, anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism, right? No, anti-Semitism is only able to happen if we don't fulfill our tasks. If we don't allow ourselves to fall from our ways, God doesn't need the nations of the world to wake us up. So I want to finish with one more story. The Talmud says the Gemara cites a story to demonstrate the importance of eating the Shabbos meal. Rav when he would, Rav Sheshis, when he would give a lecture on Shabbos, he would seat the rabbis in the place where the sun would shine when the day wore off. In autumn, that was in the summer, in the autumn, he would seat the rabbis in the place where the shade would reach when the day wore on. In order that they should know that the class is over. As soon as he'd see the sun by the rabbis, he knew that it was time to stop the class. Everybody go home to eat. It was, it was, it was time to, right? And the same with in the winter, when he'd see that the rabbis, because he would seat the rabbis in a specific seat, this is where you have to sit. And he knew right away when the sun was there because they didn't have, I guess they didn't have clocks like we have today. So he would, they would only be able to tell by where the sun was. They'd see the sun at a certain place. They knew that it was time to end so that everybody can go home to eat. The Gemara cites the practice of another Amora in this regard, Rav Zero. Rav Zero would go after the peers of rabbis standing together on the Shabbos day engrossed in Torah discussions. Mehader Azuze Zuzi de Rabbonon Amar Luhu Bematusa he said to them, please do not desecrate the Shabbos by abstaining from its delights. Go home, go eat. You're, I know you're learning Torah. You're, you're schmoozing about the, the learning of Torah. Don't forget, go home and eat your meal because your Shabbos meal is waiting for you. So I want to share one more quick story and I think this is more of a story of teaching us the importance of recognizing the greatness of each individual. So I had a rabbi visiting in Houston, and he came on 
Thursday, and he gave lectures. He spoke at the school, and he spoke here at Torch, and Shabbos, he spoke at, at the local synagogue. After the meal on Shabbos day, he was coming to our house to eat. So he asked me when we're walking home, he says, where's your wife? I said, oh, she went ahead to prepare them, to prepare, make sure everything is ready. Make sure the table is set and to make sure all the, all the salads are ready. Everything's ready to go. So as soon as the rabbi comes to the house, we're ready to start. So he said, till now, you listen to my shir. You listen to my class. He says, now we're going to listen to your wife's class. And it was, he said, because when you start a, a, a class, you start off with an introduction. Then you have the main course, the entree, and then you have the dessert, right? That's the way a class is set up as well. He said, you listen to my class till now. Now we're going to taste your wife's class. And he said, I think your wife's class is going to be better. 